hour two of the game. Troy Coverdale flying solo for the remainder of the afternoon, but not to fret. Mr. Computer Algorithm himself, Mitch Fortner, has left us his wise, sage views on how tonight's game in Lawrence will go. Yes, that means that it is almost time. It's time for us to learn just exactly what Mitch, the computer, has to say this evening. Here's Mitch Ball with Troy, we are now less than two hours away from tip-off. The 299th edition of the Dillon Sunflower Showdown, number seven Kansas State. At a record of 18 and 3 and 6 and 2 in the Big 12. And then you have number 8 Kansas, 17 and 4 is their overall record, 5 and 3 in conference play. And as of this recording, Kansas is an 8.5 point favorite. That line keeps moving up with KU as the favorite. And of course, this game taking place at what I call the House of Pain, Allen Fieldhouse. Cats coming off a win over Florida, 64 50. Meanwhile, KU ended a three game losing streak after falling to KU. TCU and Baylor by beating Kentucky in the Big 12 SEC Challenge 77-68. And right now, Kansas is in the middle of six of seven games against top 20 opponents. Which, by the way, Kansas at home this year talked about that TCU loss. Other than that, perfect. The record at home is 10-1. and But the Cats did win the first meeting 83-82 in overtime. And looking back at the box score, it felt like a very even game. Three-point shooting was quite bad, actually, for KU, finishing 6 of 29 for 20.7%. The Cats were 7 of 17 from three-point range. Also, huge points off the bench, 24 from Desi Sills, also 24 from Keontae Johnson, and 15 from Naquan Tomlin. Jayhawks managed to keep Marquise Noel to just four points in the night, but he also had seven assists. So let's look back at a couple of players, key players for the Kansas Jayhawks here in Mitch Palm that, of course, are a huge factor tonight, including Jalen Wilson. The senior for KU, as you know, the, the Jayhawks don't have a traditional five, but he is a forward. And quite the score and quite the rebounder. Second leading score in Big 12 play at 21.8 points per game, which, by the way, Marquise Noel is the top scorer in the conference at a little over 22 a game. But Jalen Wilson scored 38 points against the Cats in the first game. He was 3 of 10 from three-point range, but did a good job at his mid-range game, getting to the hoop, drawing a bunch of fouls. That 38 points was a season high for him. And I got to say, over his last four games, Jalen Wilson is playing his most impressive basketball yet over the last four. That has been such a solid stretch. He's averaging 28.2 points per game, not to mention seven and a half rebounds a contest as well. And how's he shooting from the floor? He's basically, you know, about 50%. He's taking 20 shots a game in the last four and hitting 10 and a half a contest plus not too bad from three 41 percent 12 of 29 and you know it goes without saying preseason all big 12 projected to be the big 12 player of the year yeah a tough one to stop in allen Fieldhouse tonight meanwhile you have grady dick who quite honestly with his three-point shooting is kind of trending in the other direction. It's as surprised as that is. Over the last four games, Grady Dick is having his worst three-point shooting stretch. Over the last four, just six of 26. 
and that's for 23%. Against K-State, he was one of eight, his worst three-point shooting day so far in his freshman season. Now, he is still averaging, does Grady Dick, 15.2 points per game in those last four contests, shooting 38% from the floor, and he's getting up 12 and a half shots a game. And also for the season, still shooting you know 43% from three. It's not like he's he can't hit him. A little bit of a rough patch. Defense is picking up their uh, pressure on Grady Dick, not allowing him to score easily, get the wide-open shots that he had been used to. And I will say Wilson plus Dick, that is a, that's a very solid combo. I mean, they take 47% of the team's shots per game, but without Dick, and I said this last time in Mitch Palm when K-State played KU, it's kind of a big deal when Dick isn't hitting the three-point shots because the rest of the team hitting the three this season is a combined 33%. Now, when it comes to the rest of the starting five for Kansas, I think it's a great starting five. No doubt about that. I mean, they're a top-ten team in the country. Dewan Harris is going to get the assist. He's a great passer. Second best guy in the Big 12 when it comes to assists. He's, of course, second to Marquise Noel. Kevin McCuller had a horrible game against K-State. Zero points. And since in the last four, well, he's had two games where he scored just four points and two games where he scored 17 points. So we'll see what Kevin McCuller we get tonight. And then, of course, there's K.J. Adams where K-State struggled in the first half against him where he was just dominant in the paint. He was 6 of 6 and scored 17 points in that contest. But what KU does not have is depth. It's not their norm to not have depth. And they don't have any this year. Now, it even hurts worse for them that they're going to be missing their best rebounder off the bench. That's Zuby Edgeford, who got hurt in the Kentucky game. He is most likely out tonight. That's according to who we heard from yesterday. Uh, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, with that news. I mean, he could play, I guess, but he's doubtful, I suppose. But also, KU's bench points, it gets even worse as the season goes on. KU is the sixth worst team in the entire country in bench points per game at 11.3, and they are under nine a game in Big 12 play. Now, here is maybe your biggest factor of the night. We'll see. Uh, it certainly has been a factor for KU in the last four games. Them not starting well in the first 10 minutes. They've been really bad lately in the first 10 minutes of basketball games has Kansas. In the K-State game, Cats are up 14 10 minutes in. And KU, I mean, they battled back, but they only, their biggest lead was only two points. For TCU, I mean, Frogs just demolished them. But they are up 19 was TCU with 10 minutes into the game. And KU never recovered. Their only lead was the first bucket of the game. And the Baylor Bears, Baylor led by 13, eight minutes in. KU's biggest lead in that game was one. So we've seen them come back from these large deficits, but they never build a lead themselves. They know how to catch up. They just don't know how to build a lead uh, when they're down double digits early in a game. Now, they did turn that tide against Kentucky, and maybe this was a big deal for the result of this game. Not only was KU hitting shots down the stretch, and of course that's huge, but Kentucky never went on a big run. They never did. KU did not allow that. Kentucky's largest run in the game was five points. That's it. Now, I mentioned the House of Pain earlier. Yes, this is an Allen Field house, and of course this is a factor. I know history has nothing to do with this team. But K-State over the years, over the last, what has it been, 15, 16 years or whatever, because uh, K-State's lost 16 straight in Allen Field house. Thrown a lot of teams at them, a lot of different teams, a lot of different players, different coaches. And after all those formulas that they've tried out has K-State men's basketball over the last decade and a half, hasn't gotten it done in Allen Fieldhouse since 2006. 
So history is not on K-State's side. Hell, the last time the Cats swept Kansas was 1982-83. So obviously there's some pretty, you know, to be Captain Obvious, some key factors here if the Cats want to get it done. Got to start well. I mentioned that earlier just a few moments ago. A big start would be huge. That would get the crowd out of it early. And yes, it is possible to take the crowd out of the fog once in a while. But KU always goes on runs. And it's an Allen Fieldhouse. You know they are. It's not like KU, I, you know, it'd take a, 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 something short of a miracle for K-State to win this game like TCU did, 25, 30 points, and be able to keep that lead. It feels like impossible. That's just not the way these Sunflower Showdowns work. Um, so KU's going to go on runs. Can K-State answer those? That would be big as well. But you know, like I said to Wyatt yesterday, sometimes you just got to throw the record books, you got to throw the stats out the window, and just go have a dogfight. Don't worry what happened in the first game. Worry about what happens tonight. I know K-State is good enough to win this kind of game. History says it's almost impossible. Ken Palm has K-State winning percentage at 29% and actually predicts KU to win 76-69 to with KU as an 8.5 point favorite. I will take the Cats to cover. But it's just hard to not pick Kansas when it's in Allen Fieldhouse. So I'm going to say K-State has a 36% chance of winning in Allen Fieldhouse tonight. Final score, KU takes it 75-70. to And with that, you have Mitch Palm's selections for tonight. We shall see how things play out. That eight and a half line, it seems so large, but then when you realize what the history has been in Allen Fieldhouse and and how you feel good for K-State going in a lot of times, only to have it turn into, yeah, a house of nightmares. That has been, unfortunately, the story for K-State in that building for a long time. We'll see how it plays out tonight as coming up at 6, we begin our coverage with Wyatt Thompson and Stan Weber live from Allen Fieldhouse, the tip-off just after 7 here on News Radio KMAN. The game after work, Troy Coverdale with you, Mitch Fortner Headed for Lawrence, where he'll be on hand to cover the Cats and the Jayhawks tonight and have a full rundown for us tomorrow. Just happens that one of the officials tonight for this ballgame, shouldn't be a surprise, by the way, when I tell you who it is, happens to be one of the big-time, quote-unquote, offenders, if you will, of a topic that we discussed a couple of weeks ago, and the the topic was about college officiating, college basketball officiating per se. And I know we're in the midst of a stretch now where a lot of attention is being paid to how poorly the officials have been operating, not just at the college level, but the NFL this past weekend in the conference championship games comes to mind. You've got the NBA with the issues surrounding the debacle the other night with the Lakers ending uh, with LeBron. As this game gets ready to tip tonight, the best hairstyle in the game is going to be in Allen Fieldhouse, John Higgins. He was at Texas last night. Someone snapped the ESPN graphic that 
captures exactly the point I was bringing up a couple of weeks back. This is what John Higgins' work week has been, dating back to a week ago tonight. Piscataway, New Jersey, Rutgers, for a Tuesday game. To San Diego for a Wednesday night game. Up the coast to Oregon State on Thursday. That's never an easy trip in, by the way. Portland and then drive down to Corvallis. Continued the run by having Friday off, but he was at Stanford for a Saturday night game in the Pac-12, only to then turn around and be in West Lafayette in time for a Sunday game involving Purdue. And then flying from West Lafayette to Austin to be there last night. Tonight, he's in Lawrence. I said it two weeks ago, and this brings it all the more in focus. The guys that are the best in the game continue to put themselves in the spots that they want to work because they want, A, the TV time and the money, B. They continue to work themselves like this to build up their bank account and get some of the TV time, the recognition, while the quality of officiating drops. I tweeted this graphic out, retweeted this graphic out last evening because it exemplifies perfectly what has happened in the day and age where the officiating consortiums have taken over and essentially have said, hey, it's a free reign. You pick what games you want to work. There is literally input sites for the referees to go in and say, hey, I'm available on these dates. And they're doing it without any real thought to the impact on themselves, much less the impact on their ability to call games and call them effectively. When the conferences were hardcore in charge of their own officials, they allowed for officials to move a little between leagues as a convenience, as well as cooperation between the conferences. It's why you would see some of the Big Ten officials overlap with the Big 12 or the old Big 8. It's why you would see guys out west that lower-level Pac-12 guys might be officiating some in the Mountain West, 
maybe throw in a big uh, big sky game once in a while or a west coast conference game but nothing big and it was dependent on location sometimes but these guys weren't working five nights a week and they sure as heck weren't working five nights a week while flying all over the map Now with the structure, the way it is set up, the officials are taking advantage full well and more power to them. They're they're you know, they're they're looking out for their own bank accounts. And that's fine. I get that. I, I don't mean this as a completely negative thing. I get working for the money. But it is an excellent example of what has happened to the caliber of officiating. Someone tried to argue last night saying that uh, that they were told by an official at Oregon State the one evening that, no, in fact, uh, it's that there are no young officials that are coming up behind them that can do these games. That is a falsehood. That is an absolute falsehood. There are a number of officials that want the opportunity. They don't get the opportunity when a guy like John Higgins is working six games in eight nights spread from coast to coast. Literally, one day off in eight days. And it was Friday. Because he worked a Pac-12 swing last weekend. Turns around, has the Big Ten on Sunday, the Big 12 last night in Austin. Now tonight he's in Lawrence. That's unmanageable. I know how drained, tired I got doing five-day road trips when we went out in the conference, and I only had two games in the mix. We flew Wednesday, played a Thursday night game, traveled on Friday, had a Saturday game, dependent usually, though, Saturday night, thus a Sunday fly home. My Mondays rocked me. My Tuesdays were worse. (laughs) My Tuesdays absolutely sucked in terms of recovery. And I wasn't doing anything physical like what John Higgins is doing. Think about the numbers of trips up and down the floor the man is making just in one game. And now he's doing that seven of eight days plus the flights. You cannot expect that you're going to get your best officiated games this way. You can't. That's not how this works. You are, it's a complete, it's a complete failure in terms of oversight. Surprise, NCAA, failure and oversight. It is a complete failure of oversight, though, of these consortiums as well. These officials' consortiums should be mandating limits 
on the officials and the numbers of nights that they work. Because you cannot expect them to be sharp for every game or physically ready for every game. When they're working a schedule that has them traveling nationwide and having just one day off. And it's by their own choice. That's the part of it that just absolutely floors me. By their own choice. And nobody's putting a stop to it. How in the world are we to get good officiated ball games when this is going on? Just shameful. It's just shameful. You cannot expect it to go any other way. So we'll keep our fingers crossed tonight. Hope that nothing untoward occurs through the course of the ball game in terms of the officiating. And I don't say that to be snide or... No, I, I want this to be a well-officiated ball game. I know that Allen Fieldhouse is where good officiating tends to go to die. But I can hope, can't I? It's just... It, it, it's mindless. It's, it's a mindless move to just put yourself out there and grind like that with no concern for what you are doing beyond what you're doing for your pocketbook and your image. That, that you're not caring about the impact your impact on the game. You're not caring about being at your best mentally. You're not caring about being at your best physically. No, you're just doing it because, well, you want the money and the image. That's what college basketball officiating has become. Man, is that frightening. And we let it continue to happen. (sighs) Fingers crossed. Coming back, the number two song of the day. We'll dig into the 90s when we continue on the game. Regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mauna! It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E. So I could get some phones, rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked a left on 21 and Lewis, some brothers shooting dice. So I said, let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers put some so I said, I'm stuck. these girls peeping me, I'm gonna glide and swerve. These looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want a bigger, better thing? Than some horny tricks I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself I can't believe they taking Warren 12 They took my rings, they took my Rolex I looked at Spring of 1994 Wound up being number 98 on VH1's greatest songs of hip-hop Of all time 
reached number two on the Hot 100 of Billboard, number eight on the R&B Hip Hop chart, Regulate by Warren G, featuring American singer Nate Dogg, rest in peace, Dogg. First single on the soundtrack to the film, Above the Rim. Perfect for a basketball night. Of course, the song samples Michael McDonald's I Keep Forgetting." You also have thrown in there Sign of the Times by Bob James, Let Me Ride by Dr. Dre thrown in there. In an interview with NME, New Music Express, years ago, Warren G. explained the thought process that it essentially was things that he went through, that friends went through, had witnessed, had been part of it. They just told the story and then on the hook just let everyone's imagination flow. Warren G., real name Warren Griffin, said he purchased the vinyl of Michael McDonald's I Keep Forgetting from a dealer outside of a Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in L.A. Recognizing the song immediately, disclosing, it's a record my stepmom and pops used to play. In 1982, the song had been recorded in Warner Brothers' recording studio in North Hollywood by Michael McDonald. As, uh, yeah, they, uh, it basically gained a new life in 1994 with it. It was the lead single for McDonald's album. The song highly successful as it reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100. By the way, that bass riff... The, the most important part of the song actually was not played by McDonald at all. No, renowned bassist Lewis Johnson, considered at the time the best funk bassist in the world. He was one of the leading session players for the world's best-selling album by Michael Jackson, Thriller, of course. So when you put it all together, regulate became Def Jam Records' biggest single. Think about that for a moment. The history of Def Jam Records. Guy by the name of LL Cool J comes to mind. The Beastie Boys. Shoot, those are just early Def Jam. Regulate became their biggest selling record ever. The video also stayed number one much of the summer on MTV. The video contained everyday footage from the film Above the Rim, as well as some new footage. Although guest vocalist Nate Dogg did not appear due to a conflict between Def Jam and Suge Knight. Music critic Craig Marks recommended Regulate for its light rock synth lines and rippling bass. The mockumentary series Yacht Rock featured it in episode number seven, where apparently Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins had made a bet about the popularity of the original. 
Of course, then 10 years later, of course, you get this. Nominated for the 1995 MTV Movie Awards because of the soundtrack. Best Movie Song. Also nominated as the Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group at the Grammys in 95. Fact of the matter is, it's just one of the best grooves. And it catches you off guard in how smooth it is in the grand scheme of things. After all, who expected that anybody would rap over the top of Yacht Rock? And yet they did so so dramatically successfully by putting together this version of that track. Oh, and the opening clip, by the way. Regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steel, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulator! Yeah, that's a clip out of Young Guns. <laughs> Did not see that coming. Peaked at number two again on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Thus our number two song of the day. Warren G. with Nate Dogg, Regulate. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers put some so I said, I'm stuck. little smoothness as we get ready for the Cats and the Jayhawks on the game. Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. EDM on AM radio, I'm sure just... <laughs> uh, I apologize for your speakers. We are just five minutes away from joining the K-State Sports Network. Wyatt Thompson, Stan Weber on the call tonight from Allen Fieldhouse as the Wildcats and the Jayhawks match up tonight in the Old Barn. A couple of questions that came in regarding my points that I was making about John Higgins earlier and just officiating overall at the the college level and how the big name guys are kind of gaming the system a little bit in terms of building their salaries by working, well, in Higgins' case, seven games in eight days. And one of the questions was, how are their flights covered? Higgins has himself a pretty good side business, by the way. A roofing business based in Omaha. Kentucky fans know that place all too well. But it may very well be that in some cases he's utilizing a private flight, maybe even booking something like 
we talk about the uh, small jets that help out ESPN and game day. Wheels up, I think it is. So there is that. But a good portion of their flying is commercial. And it depends on what arrangements they're able to work out with the various consortiums. Not every flight is paid for. I will say that. But for a guy like John Higgins, in terms of what they're making in a night, you're talking, you know, in for two hours of game time, you're talking that it's a pretty hefty check. You're talking, you know, guys are guys are earning, in some cases, better than 500 a night. Easy. And depending on who they are and what the game is, depending on the league, you know, might be closer to 750. Maybe pushing a little higher, depending on, again, how the league has things set for that night the importance of the game. I think the most surprising thing to me after the formation of the consortiums was getting a Big Sky Conference game officiated by John Higgins. I'm not kidding. You you don't think of that. You, you, anyway. So, yeah, it, it continues to be a an item that rankles me. We'll see how it plays out tonight. See what kind of wheels the best hair in the game has as he works tonight in Lawrence. One caller did point out, by the way, that the last few times that Higgins has had a KU game, he's uh, made sure that Bill Self has known who's boss. That's where the fandom comes in for me right there. Hope, hope, hope. It's going to be a fun night in Lawrence. There is no doubt about that. But here is to the Wildcats being ready and able to give them one of the best games of the year in Lawrence. I would love nothing more than to see it be a TCU-type performance over the Jayhawks in their own building. I may be hoping beyond hope in that aspect just because, hey, man, have we seen some bad basketball in that building over the years. <laughs> just in general. But with a two-headed monster of Keontae Johnson and Marquis Noel to lead the way, it's going to be a fun night, I've got a feeling. The full coverage coming up. We are just moments away from joining Stan and Wyatt. Have fun. We've got the full recap coming up tomorrow morning on K-Man's Morning News. We'll talk to you then.